I was chatting to somebody the other day, and they said this. From the outward appearance, their life didn't really seem very different than anybody else's. And that got me thinking. I wonder, from a casual point of view, what does my life look like? I mean, people might see me wandering around and shopping and, and strolling about, holding hands with my missus. I used to pick my wife up sometimes and throw her over the shoulder when we're out in public, which is great fun. Well, for me, anyway. chatting to somebody the other day and they said this they said outwardly in reality their life didn't actually look any different than any of their neighbors uh, now they were going to heaven and all that um, and they were praying and they went to church when church was open um, but basically from the outward appearance their life didn't really seem very different than anybody else's and that got me thinking I wonder, to the casual observer, what my life would look like. I mean, my neighbors uh, might think, well, okay, yeah, he takes his weekends on Monday and Tuesday and then disappears up to uh, the church uh, up in Pemberton. And my neighbors one side uh, know what I do for a living because they're Jehovah's Witnesses and I talk to them all the time. The neighbors the other side are sort of like old, retired, old school stoners. <laughs> so they know what I do, but but... Other than that, from, from a casual point of view, what does my life look like? I mean, people might see me wandering around and shopping and, um, and, and strolling about, holding hands with my missus. I used to. I used to often. I still do. Pick my wife up sometimes and throw her over the shoulder when we're out in public and just walk down the street. She used to um, tell me start screaming and shouting, but now she doesn't. She just covers her head in embarrassment, which is great fun. Well, for me, anyway. But I wonder as we're walking around, what distinguishes our life from anybody else's? Because like last week, uh, I read that scripture in Luke um, chapter four, and verse 18 and 19, where it says that Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind, and set captives free and declare the year of the Lord's favor. And I think, well, that's pr pretty cool, um, but that's Jesus. Um, but then if you read in Romans chapter eight and verse 11, it says this, it says that if the same spirit, again, that word spirit, right? The same spirit lives in you, raised Christ from the dead, it will quicken your mortal body. Now I think, what does that look like? Then, I read in Acts chapter one and verse eight, and this is what it says. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And I think, yeah, but that's, that's like 2000 years ago. Uh, so what's that got to do with me? Well, then if I keep reading through the book of Acts in uh, chapter two and verse 38 and 39, it says this, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that word again, spirit, is for you, your children's children, and for all who are far off, even as many as God will call. So that 
sort of doesn't let me off the hook. And it seems, it seems to me, that this word that keeps cropping up, this Holy Spirit, is the key to different things throughout the Bible. And it's not new, right? It really isn't. Uh, go back to Genesis when the earth is being formed. The, the Spirit is present at that point. The Spirit then fills the prophets uh, and the, the, the men of Old Testament, the, the warriors, the, the psalmists, the, the poets, the wisdom literature writers. It, 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 the same Spirit fills them. Um, the same Spirit then falls on John the Baptist from birth. Wow. And then Jesus, then the apostles, the, wherever the Holy Spirit crops up, it seems to me as if there is a crucial difference when the Spirit's involved. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now it doesn't say, see, see wait a minute. You see, it doesn't say that when I receive the Spirit that I know more. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that I glow in the dark. It doesn't say that I float two inches off the floor. It certainly doesn't say that I have the right to be spiritually arrogant. Now, I've come across that a lot, different places. Unfortunately, I was at a place once and uh, I was taking some people out for dinner who were visiting from another church, come to do ministry at our church. And I was taking them out in a foreign country. And they sat down and they said to me this, leaned across the table and, and in deep spiritual language, asked me this, are you in the river? Are you in the river? I knew exactly what they meant. Unfortunately, I'd heard that language before. Are you in the river? Now, what do you mean? It's, it's, when the spirit is on me, it doesn't give me the right to form my own language, to, to figure out who's in the club and who isn't. It's not about that. It's about including everybody in this incredible gift that God has given to his church. The changes us from looking ordinary and being totally ordinary and, and, and all that and, and filling us with the power to live a radically different type of lifestyle. Now, there's a lot of talk at the moment about vaccines. Don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> it seems to be everywhere. Vaccines, when they work in a traditional sense, now I know there's different variants on it now. But in a traditional sense, what people do with the vaccine is they inject you with a small, tiny uh, portion of um, something so that your body real, um, builds up resistance to the real thing. I think, I think, honestly, when, when we meet people who use the Holy Spirit's presence in their life as an excuse to, to lose all grip of their senses, um, when, 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 when they use it as an excuse to become very, very spiritually arrogant. If you've ever experienced that, it's like a vaccine, right? Because then you equate this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit with that type of behavior. And, and it, then it separates you from the desire of wanting that in your life. Now, if the presence of the Holy Spirit and me accepting his work and his ministry in my life is integral to me living a radically different Christian life, then what better way to separate me from the power that comes from the Holy Spirit than to give me a vaccination against it? It seems quite a clever plan, that. But what if, 
What if one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in my life is to help me to understand the incredibly deep presence of God with me in my everyday existence? And what if the, the things that I may have been exposed to wrongly separate me from having that experience? So I need to take another look at this. You'll receive power. It says it right here. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, <laughs> how many people... How many people don't want more power in their life to break habits, to break, to break all sorts of stuff over their life? Who, who doesn't want more power? And I've taught, heard uh, about this power being talked about in pulpits and stuff. And, and I've often heard it described as uh, dynamite. It's like dynamite power because that's the root word that's used here. Dynamite power. Explosive power. The problem is... If that's all it is, explosive power, I actually don't see Jesus being very explosive. Now, once or twice he does. Throws tables over in the temple. Uh, pretty explosive. Um, but most of the time, I don't see explosive behavior from Jesus. But then I find out that that word power doesn't just mean explosive, and that's the one that everybody concentrates on it means this it means power it means strength it means capability now you take that description and you run it past the words of the author who talks in Matthew chapter 5 about blessed are the what powerful no blessed are the meek blessed are the, the humble the, the poor in spirit blessed are those that mourn now that type of power in the hands of the meek and the humble and the mournful. Oh man, I want to live like that. That's what, that's what I'd like to live like. That explosive power in meekness. <laughs> could, could you imagine that? Walking around the town and village and the valley where we live. Well, why? But again, why? Why would, why would I want, why would I want that power in my life? Well, if I read the rest of the verse, it says this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me and you will be my witnesses. Hmm. Interesting word, witnesses. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what a martyr is? Do you know where the word martyr comes from? <laughs> it's a bit of a trick question. It's not really. Because the word martyr is used right here. And you're thinking, well, I didn't hear you say martyr. Well, listen. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my martyrs. It's the Greek word for witnesses. Martyrs. What do martyrs do? Martyrs lay down their life for something. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting thought? You see, I don't know if I want to volunteer anymore. Martyrs lay down their life for something. 
I was talking to a friend of mine again this week. Um, and we were talking about the call of God on his life. And, and we noticed that throughout the Bible, other than Samuel, who's taken to the temple as a young boy, and other than John the Baptist, it doesn't mention what he did before he was baptizing people in the wilderness. But other than those two, it seems that everybody that God calls in the Bible has to put down something to pick up the call of God. And as I discussed that with my friend, this verse came back to my mind because I was reading it and discussing it and studying it for this week. You will be my martyrs. I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean that God wants me to go out and die. But it does mean a certain amount of dying to myself. Now, if you, we haven't got time to go into it here because it's a lot of scriptures. But if you go to Google and just Google dying to self in the Bible, you'll, you'll get reams and reams and reams of scriptures to read it, to study about that and what it looks like. But, but basically, it's that I go to God with, with the shambles and, 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 and the success of my life. And I say to him, hey, here's my life. I'm laying it down. I'm, I'm dying to my life in order to pick up what you have for me through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm putting down my normal existence that seems normal to everybody else who is around me. And I'm picking up this promise of the Holy Spirit that is for me, for my children and my children's children and for all who are far off, even as many as God will call. Now there's a thought. Now, obviously as I'm sitting on these rocks above the valley here by the river, I'm thinking, well, how does that look in my life? See, I live in a real world and, and I need to know how this earths out. How does this actually work in my life? And I've come to the conclusion that I, I actually can't figure that out ahead of time. It appears to me from reading the Bible that I have a choice to make. I, again, I have these choices to make that I can ask God, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, now, not a power that makes me lose my senses. A power that fills me, that I'm in control of, because the Bible says that the Spirit is subject to the prophets. So we have control of that in our lives. Don't lose control when I ask the Holy Spirit to be in my life. And then I ask him to, to, to come into my life and fill me with this this power, this strength, this capability. Well, well, capability for what? Capability for everything that life throws at us. The unleashed power of God in mine and your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be radically different. I really, really do. I, I don't want it to just look the same 
as my neighbors. Because if this book is real, and I truly believe it is, then surely Jesus died for more than just a Sunday experience. Surely he died so that I could be a true witness for him. Bearing in mind that the word witness comes from the Greek word martyr. Here's my life, I lay it down. It's dead to me. I pick up the life filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I love that as a thought on a personal level. I really, really do. And I think it's super important on a personal level. I really do. That every day we get up and we ask God, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. I believe that. I truly do. But also, as one of the elders in the congregation here, it's my prayer for our church that as a church, we would say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here and here. Here in this valley. Here in in our, in our church services and our church meetings, here in our interactions with people as we stand in line to buy our groceries, here as we buy our petrol, a petrol station, here as we go about our normal life, here as we visit people in hospital, here as we visit shut-ins in their homes, here as we, as we visit people who wrestle with depression. What if the power of the Holy Spirit came into somebody's life who wrestles with depression? What if the Holy Spirit's present filled the home of somebody that we visited who's a shut-in. As a church, as a group of believers who, who meet together to worship God on Sundays and, and over Zoom, and maybe listening to me now, I, I want to invite you to do something with me. Um, please, please don't think this is weird. I, wa I want to invite ask you, invite you to join with me to pray for God to pour his Holy Spirit into our lives. For God to pour the Holy Spirit that's talked about in Romans 8, 11 in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39 that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 4 and that is talked about in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 to invite that power of the Holy Spirit into our lives and into the life of our church and to overflow into the life of our valley and beyond. <laughs> now, hey, now sometimes, sometimes I get embarrassed when I pray. I do. Hey, and you might think, well, that's not very good. You're a pastor. Wait, listen, I'm also a human being who is embarrassed by things sometimes. And I want to pray right now with you and ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And if you want to do that with me, hey, you can do it. You can bow your head. You can just look at whatever you're watching this on. You can hold your hands out. I like to do that because it, it symbolizes to me in my heart that I'm, I'm ready to receive something from God. So Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit to fill whoever is listening to this with your Holy Spirit, to fill our church with your Holy Spirit so that we can live radically different lives in these days, in our valley, 
in our town, in our homes, in our places of work. Holy Spirit, fill us with the power that you promised in your word, that, that strength with meekness, that capability and power with humility. Pour it into our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Now listen, you may have prayed that today, but you also might be thinking, you know, I, I actually don't know Jesus. I, I've heard his name. I've heard him as a curse word. I've heard him, I've heard him mocked, but I don't know him. All you have to do to start to know Jesus is to just say, Jesus, here I am. Here's my life. Have my life. Forgive me of all the dumb stuff I've done in the past. Forgive me of my arrogance, believing that I can live my life without you and start me on this journey to follow you as the Lord of my life. That's all you've got to do. No magic words, no magic formula. It's just a simple prayer. So bless you and thank you for listening. And um, I pray that we live in the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us way to live a different life than anybody else on planet Earth. Bless you in Jesus' name.
Hi, really quick announcement. Um, please look at the church website to find out for this and register for it. Um, and look at the email that uh, Michelle will send out because on Wednesday nights, starting in a couple of weeks, we're gonna have a course run at the church here. Now, everything's gonna be set out differently, very spaced out. Um, Miriam Sands is going to host this and facilitate it. Um, you can find out about the course by just Googling the Sanctuary Mental Health, all right? Because this is a mental health course and it's mental health from a Christian perspective. So if you, um, if you just look at that and register for it, um, it would be great to see you there. We can only have 15 people, but it's gonna be a great time uh, together as we look at the incredibly important uh, subject of mental health from a Christian perspective and, and what it means to us and how we in, interact with people with, with that as part of their lives, all right? So please look at the website and look at Michelle's email. And don't forget to register. Bless you. search the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise the treasures that fade 